You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. And Tracy, we're back. It is Saturday. We are recording. Here we go again. Yeah. I thought about you yesterday, actually, not just because I knew that we were recording today, but because I had Deirdre at Walmart, of all places. I say of all places because the particular Walmart in my town is the sort of Walmart that fuels sort of mean-spirited accounts like people of Walmart and things of that nature. And so... In any case, traveling the aisles of Walmart because she has a gift card that she wants to use to buy a white elephant party gift for a party that she's going to as we speak. She's trying to figure out what that means. I'm trying to explain to her like what a white elephant party is. And we're passing by a mid-aisle feature. And it's just chia pets. It's just like chia everything. And they had a chia grogu um, that had like like <laughs> chia head going on and chia everything going on. And so of course I think of you with your opening grogu bit. Where, and I just pointed is- towards it and I'm like, see that? That is white elephant. That is like the gestalt of it, my child. And she's like, oh, so they're kind of horrible. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so that if your ears were burning last night, that's that's what caused it. Where does the where does the hair go on the Chia Grogu? So they have different Chia Grogus because I oh, guess okay. they're really anticipating this being a thing. Like one of them, it was like Frogru, I guess you would say. <laughs> Apologies. Um, another one was like cat grass growing, where he's got like a sack in front of him that he's holding on to that has all this cat grass, and he's just like standing there. And then, of course, there was the obligatory like Mandalorian head, which I think you've just completely missed the point if you think there's a lot of hair going on there. But yeah, yeah. That um, is interesting. Okay. So, so basically... <laughs> None of the licensing has changed since Lucas got out. They're just willing to slap Star Wars on anything that make them money. Seems like. I mean, it's the weirdest sort of like form of micro terraforming. Hey, terraforming. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Look at that segue. She's a genius. (laughs) That other giggle that you heard in the background there is our author guest for this week. We have Anna Lee Newitz with us to talk about their upcoming release. Uh, It's coming out in January of 2023. So if you want to treat yourself to something on the other side of the holiday season, you can get your pre-orders in now for the Terraformers. How are you doing, Anna Lee? I I'm asked good. just as they were drinking water. So <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm still I'm still kind of processing my feelings about the Mandalorian growing lots of I guess <laughs> microgreens like I, out I of don't their know. helmet. I mean, wait a minute. Can you eat the chia pet <clears throat> greens? Is that the I, point? Are we supposed to? I I don't think so. But it suddenly occurred to me that during the pandemic, a lot of us were growing microgreens. Um, oh, yeah. Not, yeah I was unca- incapable of it. But my friends gave me many of them. And I, I think that is what you grow on a chia pet. I what Wait, are we growing on it? I, clover? I don't know about I don't know about the specific chia version, but there are like chia. Oh, I mean, and it's chia seeds, I guess. Why, yeah. why didn't this dawn on me? It's not clover. It's chia seeds. Of course it is. It's freaking <laughs> called chia pet. <laughs> so you could be just like shaving the Mandalorian's skull <laughs> for like a little salad topper. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, we have to we have to dishonor the Mandalore and remove your helmet for this. <laughs> we just need a little salad. Oh, <laughs> People are weird. Um, <laughs> hey, so, I once I once bought for the company's white elephant. I bought a uh, it, it was essentially a Pikachu hat 
at okay. the gas station and it had the it had like the long things that went down to cover your hand, but it was like for a kid. Mm-hmm. A oh, hat, like a deer stalker sort of and thing. And it had the but... long strips, but it had pockets for you to put your hands in, so you could like <laughs> nice. put your hands in and have it attached to your hat. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. it had the little... and I bought that, and I took it, not realizing that the company uh, that I was taking this to just basically all did booze. Um. So every other gift was booze, and then there was mine. <laughs> <laughs> and my coworker ended up with mine and I made him take a picture wearing it. And uh, he was very unhappy that he didn't. Yeah, I guess you could get like two tiny little bottles of booze and like tuck them into the. Oh, the, the tuck in the pockets. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> little, yeah. You gave him just like the branded Snuggie of hats. That's sort of what happened. Yeah, I love yeah. that. So, so Annalie, um, trying to reroute back <laughs> towards something resembling a book discussion here. Um, the terraformers, in my mind anyway, seems to be sort of like following on the heels of your work with four lost cities, uh, with your science journalism, kind of looking at how um, how human communities are sort of built around need the needed technologies and the available technologies of their time, and like how do we take the world around us and make it suitable for people? The terraformers, as the title suggests, is getting. Uh, very much in the dirt about that, and so, but of course, through the lens of fiction. So let's let's paint the landscape, pitch pitch us what the Terraformers is. Yeah, and thanks for noticing that it was growing out of my nonfiction. Um, I, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm being a little sneaky about it, but I obviously am not. Um, and it is true that as I was working on Four Lost Cities, which is a book about sort of archaeology and looking at at um, ancient settlements, I was thinking about how would I build a city if I could start from scratch? Um, and then I was like, well, but how would I build a planet if I could start from scratch? Why not just really start from scratch? And so the terraformers came out of that thought experiment. And it's about the workers who are prepping a an Earth-like planet for a an interstellar real estate company a real estate development company, which sort of by definition is a shady company. Um, anytime mm-hmm, you're yeah. involved in interstellar real estate, there's always a little shenanigans. Um, mm-hmm. And they are prepping this planet to be uh, a kind of imitation Pleistocene Earth, because just like now, there's a lot of people who are kind of paleo and really mm-hmm. fetishize that phase in uh, Earth's yeah. uh, geologic history. And it's an intergenerational epic. So because, you know, prepping a planet takes thousands of years. So you really can't just uh, encompass it in one uh, lifetime. And so part of the fun for me was imagining how not just the planet would change over time, because of course, as they grow new ecosystems and grow cities on the planet, the actual physical nature of the planet is changing, but also how the people on it are changing. And We start by looking at just the workers um, who are owned by the company. Um, This is very, very distant future. So people are genetically engineered. uh, Non-human people are genetically engineered. And so it's just a planet of intelligent people, some of whom are humans, some of whom are moose, some of whom are cows, uh, a lot of other non-human animals. Do you have squirrel to go with moose? I don't. Um, there's actually some <laughs> missing animal. Like I, I keep thinking. Like anyway, there are no squirrels, but you can assume <laughs> yeah, yeah. we don't meet any squirrels. But you can assume there's some squirrels out there. Yeah, for probably sure. somewhere. 
Yeah, they I did throw in capybaras because they the capybaras actually are not um, uplifted, as you might say. No one uses the term right, uplifted in yeah. the book, but they're not. Um, they don't have human equivalent intelligence. They're just kind of hanging out and being happy. And there's actually a huge literally debate. what capybaras do, though. I mean, I know, and the 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 people end up debating the capybaras because they're like, oh, well, the capybaras have not been built to have human equivalent intelligence like how do we know they're happy and they're like trying to figure out like how do you measure capybara happiness so this is the kind of book that it is they they care a lot about <laughs> about life forms and <clears throat> how to maintain ecosystems um but over time uh in the book like as we move through the generations we see cities growing up and how the cities interact with the environments and mm-hmm. some of the cities are uh, governed in a way that's a little bit uh, more progressive than others. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and then we kind of move through seeing gentrification. But like I said, it's really about this motley group of characters that are trying their best to keep the planet's ecosystems in balance. And, you know, they're dealing like with these corporate overlords, but they're also just dealing with things like Sometimes two moose have a troubled romance, you know, sometimes robots are just trying to like hook up and like find, you know, a good, you know, R for R bar to like meet other hot robots, you know, and sometimes they're trying to fight for justice and freedom. So (laughs) they, they have all kinds of adventures as they build this planet. Relationship status, it's complicated. It's very complicated, especially if you live for a thousand years, you know. When the when the robots are trying to hook up, uh, for like, do they do they have the problem where they try to plug in and then they they have to flip it over and then plug it and then they have to flip over and plug in again? They oh, have oh. a very elaborate system for letting each other know how they want to plug in. Like they're each like <laughs> they talk at one point about how they broadcast on different frequencies to let each other know like what kink they're into. So they have kind of like a hanky code, but it's like on the, you know, um, communication spectrum on the radio. Yeah, spectrum, I remember basically. when I read autonomous <laughs> that you kind of laid the groundwork of how, how would sapient AIs and robots sort of communicate with one another in their own back channels and their own sort of codes. And like, how would they introduce each other? Here's the packet of data. That is my introduction. Yes. To you. <laughs> um, you know, and so it's one of the things and I'm going to try and draw I, I, through. I, 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 I'm sorry, Tracy. That that yeah. just reminds me. That reminds me of a plugin that we used to have on World of Warcraft. Yeah, it was the it was the role playing plugin, mm-hmm. and basically what it did was anybody who had the plugin uh, could see your character's like history mm. and click on it and see everything oh, yeah. that you wanted like them the to full know intro. about you as a character. Yeah, it's the info and, dump and, button. Yeah, it it was like a it was like a it just showed up on your character, and then if you if they clicked it, they could see more information than just your name, or just mm-hmm. your rank, or yeah, just your yeah. guild. Like that 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 kind of reminds me of that for some reason. It's like that. Yeah, that that was a mod that was kind of cool for for a very long time. A lot of people used it. Yeah, and you could imagine that if you were a robot, like if you were an AI, like you might have very sophisticated versions of that, like little bits of information given the context of like what you want people to know about you, whether it's like I use this form of encryption or, you know, I use this port for for love. (laughs) (laughs) The love port. Indeed. So the the through line I was thinking about before is thinking all the way back to autonomous and how that's a text that's kind of grappling with 
um, the idea of I, the, the literal idea of like ideas as possessions and like mm-hmm. ideas as a kind of currency um, and IP itself, but also like individuated entities as possessions versus as, as sort of independent um, and autonomous beings per the title. Um, that, of course, is really complicated because there's this strong corporate atmosphere in in that text. And in this, in the terraformers, if we have a sort of intergalactic real estate company that has acquired this mass of, of land, this Earth-like planet, and needs over a course of many generations for it to be sort of optimized for habitation, the corporate question that occurs to me is, Thinking about how often in our own world corporations change hands, they they dissolve themselves, they're purchased by others um, at a sort of level of management, they become disrupted or they just sort of collapse altogether. Mm-hmm. How does that time frame? I can imagine how a lengthy time frame of evolution can affect the land and can affect the the occupants. How does it affect the kind of corporate atmosphere that makes possible having this space? That is such a great question. And I actually spent a really long time thinking about that because I had to imagine exactly what you're saying. Like you're developing a planet. I interviewed um, a planetary scientist about how you would grow an atmosphere. And I was like, okay, what if you just like quick and dirty, like what would be the absolute shortest time you could build an atmosphere that was Earth-like on a rocky planet? Um, And he, he was willing to concede maybe 10,000 years, like if you're just like, given that you have all this advanced technology. Um, And so I knew that that was kind of the development time that the planet would take. And so I'm like, how do I build a business model around that? Like, how does this company, (laughs) it's called Verdance. um, how, How does that even work? Because what's your return on investment? So what I first of all, um, like a lot of sort of, um, like, post human, uh, stories like say by Ian and Banks or some of Kim, mm. Stan- Kim Stanley Robinson stuff, my characters, because they're genetically engineered, they do live much, much longer than we do. So a character who doesn't have any fancy gadgets installed can live for maybe a thousand years. If you're extremely wealthy, you might live five or more, 5,000 years or more, right? So already you have someone who can, um, you know, mastermind one of these projects, at least partly. Um, The other thing that um, I did when I was thinking about Verdance, and this isn't really in the book, like a lot of this was just like world building in my head or in in my world building document that I have, which is bloated and scary, um, (laughs) is that they it's they have a diverse portfolio of real estate. So mostly what they are building is either they're coming to a planet that's kind of already developed and they're working on that. So the return on investment is going to be on the order of centuries. Um, or they're building space habitats. So they're building like massive habitats for um, tourism uh, where you can kind of go and it's uh, you can live in the spaceship. Um, it's a ship or it's a halo world or something like that. Um, and so either you live there and you kind of go on a cruise. Um, and we do hear a lot kind of in the background of the book about like different companies that do space cruises that have these like kind of WALL-E type ships. Um, and which I, I think the world building in Wally is actually quite great for stuff like <laughs> yeah. this, where it's like you, li- you're in this like horrible leisure ship where like everyone is just like drinking frappuccinos all the time. And, um, 
So I, I was kind of imagining stuff like that. And then they're also just building artificial worlds because, um, as Ian and Banks said, um, a planet is a terrible waste of matter. And it's very clear right from the start in the terraformers that the planet that's being developed, it's called Sasky. <clears throat> the star is called Sask. So Sasky is a, it's an artisanal project that they're doing basically to win awards. Like they're really, they're crafting this earth-like world. Most people do not live on worlds like that. Um, and they actually talk a lot about like the terroir of like earth planets and like what it means to like grow earth-like soil and the bonsai experience of terraforming. Exactly. So they're marketing this planet to people who want to have this very specific, almost like a Disneyland-like experience where you go to this pristine earth-like world. When you buy a plot of real estate on the planet, you also get with your package a homo sapiens body. So you can like port yourself into this um, artisanal um, legacy DNA created body. Um, and those bodies that have this heirloom DNA, like the bodies themselves become part of the story. Like, how did they get these bodies? How did they get this heirloom DNA? Like, what does it mean to sell somebody a body along with real estate? Like, do you pay licensing fees? Like, do you, you know, like, are you renting this body? Like, <laughs> yeah. So there's all these, there's all these questions that, that come up. So I really, um, it is really hard to conceive of a corporation that would have that kind of business model unless you have these long time scales, unless you imagine longer lifespans. But also, we do live in a world where corporations often outlive people. And so to oh, yeah. me, that felt realistic that that time span would last longer. Um, and then the other thing is that um, my final point that I'll make about the corporation is that one of the major subplots in the book does involve um, a corporate scandal that's happened at Verdance. And so the corporation actually has gone through different leadership and we see some VPs coming in and some leaving and like different business deals that have gone bad. And so they they are actually very much like a, a yeah. real estate corporation now, just longer lived and um, more, even more bloodthirsty than ever before. <laughs> <laughs> You you were talking about the the body and like what do you license? Have you seen that? So I, we're de we're absolutely heading in this direction, but uh, you know one of the things that bothers me I, I like to play role playing games, <clears throat> and I prefer Pathfinder over Dungeons and Dragons because Pathfinder will give me a PDF that I can place on my on my iPad. Mm -hmm. You know I can I can buy one. D and D for the longest time had D and D Beyond, so you had to subscribe to a separate service to get and then you had to have you know access to go out to their website to get stuff like they didn't do a pdf so it bugged me um it is annoying it, it's a licensing thing right and now mm -hmm. you've got like the car manufacturers are looking at you know all the bells and whistles that they put in the car as being subscriptions instead of just bells and whistles that you're buying in the car mm -hmm. so you want that you want that seat warmer or, or as i call it a butt warmer <laughs> I call it a butt warmer. <laughs> I have a butt fan in my car. <laughs> I love that you got, butt you gotta fan. Pay, you got to pay a monthly fee or a yearly fee for a discount. You want mm -hmm. you want the GPS to work? You want that screen to work? You got to pay extra. Like they're, they're trying to figure out how to monetize all these bells and whistles and things that people have gotten used to having now. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind you of the end that. of ownership as we've previously yeah. understood it. Like that, yeah. that you, you never really own something outright, that you possess access to it. Yeah. And yeah. that that access is sort of that there are levers that control how that access works. And it begins with things that we think of as, you know, not to us because we're we're book and movie and 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 you know entertainment thought people, but we think of as negligible. Like uh, your subscription service may or may not carry this movie, or if it does, it might not have it forever. Um, but it does. It does inch into other areas of our lives that we think of as increasingly indispensable. Yeah, and I think especially when you're talking about a big ticket item like a car or a house or a planet, which you're probably only going to buy once, how do you continue <laughs> to make money on that? You know, like once yeah. they've bought the plot of land or bought the city, um, you've got to come up with other stuff. And so some of the corporations in the terraformers, um, when you buy, so they'll like a development company will come in, buy a chunk of land, build a city, and then anyone who lives in the city has to license entertainment while they're in the city. So if you want to like live in the city, you also kind of buy into a package of like, okay, every month you get like three licensed games from the company that owns the city. And like you can join (laughs) at different levels, you know, and you can have, you know, an ad free experience of the city. So I, you know, and I I think that that's extremely realistic that we'll see that Mm -hmm. in cities, you know, that we live in on this planet, um, where you kind of get a branded experience in the city and it gives you quote unquote safety um, through surveillance. Uh, that's kind of the smart city model. I think it's funny that they, uh, you know, the ad free streaming mm-hmm. stuff now has ads. <laughs> yes. I know. It's like, it's like, it's like I pay for, I pay for uh, ad free and I hit play on something and then it shows me an ad for another show on the streaming platform. And it's like, but I'm playing, paying for ad free. And then I noticed this. So I was I was ready. I had uh, I had finished Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Uh, I was going to cancel my Paramount, and then they brought the Good Fight back for like the mm-hmm. final season. And I was like, "Oh fuck you!" So now <laughs> I, had, I had to watch that. And then I was like, "Okay, I'm done. I'm not." I'm, and then they brought back freaking Criminal Minds, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Now I got I got to see what this is, right? Well, here's the funny thing. Uh, I was watching Criminal Minds, the the new season, BAU's back, and I hit pause and I went in the kitchen for something. And when I came back, the pause screen had an ad for ginger ale. Wow. For Canada You know, you you might just see that and... Decide you got to go out and buy a ginger ale. So why oh, would they waste? Man. Why would they waste a blank screen? You know they got to target. <laughs> you know they got to throw you an ad. I was going to say they got to target you, but I'm like, is that even targeted? They just threw an ad out yeah. on there. They don't know but if what's you funny, drink Mary, things. <laughs> I'm paying for the ad free. I know, and they're it's, still showing me a fucking ad. I don't. There's probably I, something in the terms of service that says that they can get away with that. Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah, they're not no showing the you the bottom feeder ads. They're showing you only the finest ads. Yeah, <laughs> artisanal ads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the so, thing with like yeah. seeing ads for other shows, I I could see how they would claim like, oh, but it's like previews at the movies. But like ginger yeah. ale, I don't know. I don't know how they could justify that. Maybe when it's on the pause screen, it doesn't count because it's not streaming. <laughs> Are you so. pausing because you're thirsty? May we make a suggestion? <laughs> so this is this is a bit of a, a tangent, but it's a tangent that I'm being a I'm being a rank opportunist here. So apologies. Um, one of the things that we have 
folks who listen to Functional Nerds regularly, is a Patreon. And our Patreon involves like, you know, tiers of access to different things. But one of the things that you get uh, by being on, in the Patreon is access to our Facebook group. And on the Facebook group, we, we chat with um, listeners and, and they make posts and share information with us. And one of our listeners actually earlier today, Stace Johnson, um, shared something really interesting You've no doubt been become very aware of things like Midjourney and ChatGPT and things of that nature. And I'm not going to waste having Annalie Newitz on to not bring these things up. Um, and so the the narrative that gets me to this moment is um, for the, the Midjourney and um, uh, Lenza and things like that mm-hmm. have been drawing a lot of attention for some time and a lot of uh, justifiable pushback from artists and concern from artists. Yeah. And now that's sort of creeped through chat GPT into the world of writers. I, uh, in my day job, teach English at a public boarding school for gifted students. And we did this thing the other day in the English department where one member of our team sort of scurried off and went to ChatGPT and gave it some prompts for some assignments he had recently given to his students and then gave us the writing to look at and was like, grade this. Um, And it was mixed in with actual student work as well. And we were only coin flip good at being able to tell what was actually written by a 15-year-old kid and what was being written by the AI. And Mm -hmm. in general, the 15-year-old kids were getting about B pluses on these things and the AIs are getting B minuses and Bs. I don't speak any of this in endorsement of the technology, but I do have to wonder where where your imagination and where your experience leads you in response to this sort of technology evolution. So I've been thinking about the same thing about student papers and GPT chat. Uh, I also, I was a professor for many years and um, if that was the first thought that leapt to mind when I started talking to GPT chat was like, oh yeah, this could write a paper. And I asked it a few questions that I would have asked students um, for papers and it did a pretty good job answering And um, one of the things I read, um, actually from Janelle Shane, who uh, wrote, You Look Like a Thing and I Love You. She's an AI goof around artist and scientist. Mm -hmm. And she um, tried a, there's a program that you can um, use on GPT chat output or any, any AI chat bot output to test whether it was created by an algorithm. And it's apparently about 98% accurate. It can recognize um, algorithmically generated papers. So I had this burning vision of um, (laughs) students writing papers with algorithms, teachers grading papers with algorithms. I mean, already the SATs are graded partly by algorithm or almost exclusively by algorithm. And it's funny because I've read that some of the algorithms that are used to grade uh, like SAT tests and subject area tests um, reward stuff that as a teacher I would not have rewarded, like verbosity or um, you know extra long words being used for no reason, like saying utilize instead of use and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I just love the idea of like basically this like war of, of algorithms <laughs> grading each it's other. It's like an arms race of technology. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And um, this professor was talking about how she had um, gone through some papers that were generated by AI. And she said the funny thing was that they that GPT-3 would generate a paper, but the citations would be made up. 
And so she mm-hmm. could tell that it was made up because she went down to the citations. But that's a, a lot. Like, so as a professor or a teacher, you're going to have to like check all the citations. So I'm yeah. sure that we're going to start basically having to run student papers through algorithm checks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, knowing how my students who are generally honest people, but knowing the ones in the past who have been less than honest with me, how they operate, my thinking is that the sly ones amongst them will feed things like GPT chat questions, cobble them into their essay, and then go through that to kind of rub off the serial numbers. Mm -hmm. The funny thing for me about that as a maneuver um, is it's always struck me as that's a level of effort that at that point you're using so much rhetorical awareness and so much thoughtfulness about how the prose is crafted. Just write the freaking paper. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost the same amount of work. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And because you are because basically what you're doing is summarizing what an AI has told you, which hilariously summarization is one of the things that developers train AIs to do. Like that's what they're really Mm -hmm. good at. Like I've actually done some of the, use some of the um, applications that will summarize academic papers for you. And they're pretty good. Like I've, I've gotten some really great um, summaries of physics papers because I my physics is a big weakness of mine. And so if you yeah. get an AI to summarize a physics paper, sometimes it can help you understand the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so yeah, I definitely think um, we might be headed for a new phase in, I, it's not really plagiarism. Cliff Notes. It's Cliff Notes. It's a it's a it's yeah. a it's a new evil more evil cliff notes because the the thing about cliff notes was you didn't have to read the work mm-hmm. right so I think that's the part of this that you're missing Tracy yeah uh, it's it's if you're asking them about something they don't necessarily have to have read the work in order to get some sort I of mean, but that's always been a problem I yeah. mean I yeah. I've been a teacher for a while um, and cliff notes have existed for much longer than I have and to yeah. be honest they don't use cliff notes anyway they use a service called Schmoop now um and the ones that are sort yes, of like I'm old school so it's cliff notes. notes right right um <laughs> i mean it's it's a placeholder cliff, cliff notes and peachy folders come on yeah i love yeah, schmoop yeah. i'm gonna check out schmoop um, schmoop is interesting because they try to appeal to the students by being like a little bit snarky about their summaries <laughs> and they're like the thing about tom in the great catsby is that he's an incel asshole or something like that um or whatever and so it's more like gas Gatsby is the incel, really. Uh, yeah, I think if I think if that's how you're labeling Tom, you have seriously misread the whole Myrtle episode. Um, <laughs> like you've really kind of missed the bus on that. And that is, but um, I love that. I love the problem. idea of like the the Gen Z um, cliff notes. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it honestly, summarize an emoji. <laughs> it's like the it's like the verbal version of telling Mid Journey, "I want this in the style of Disney." It's like I want this in the style of hipster. Please yeah. talk to me about this. Please talk to me about Beowulf, but yeah. like someone with a neck beard. <laughs> like, so yeah. it's, it's a whole thing. Um, well, I don't want to put more pressure on your schedule here. And so because you are you are going to be um, seeing many cool podcasts and talking to many cool people today. Can we do a super quick pick of the week? I think do we, we can. have time for that. Yeah, I yeah. Think so. we will be efficient. Picks of the week. All right. Patrick, would you like to model for for Anna? Sure. So I am going to go with the new series on Disney Plus uh, called Willow. 
and this is a sequel to the film Willow that is doing a remarkably better job of being a sequel than those shitty books by Chris Claremont based on the notes by George Lucas that were published a long, long time ago that to this day, I hold a grudge. I hold a grudge. I hold a grudge against those books. I hold a grudge against Chris Claremont and George Lucas for those books. <laughs> and longtime listeners know this, that I have complained about those books quite a bit. Be so I'm just going to throw it out there and say that the series is so much better. The series is capturing that spirit of the movie, which the books failed to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go down a midichlorian rant, but I mean, it was very similar to that bullshit. And mm -hmm. I just I'm enjoying the show quite a bit. I, I love seeing uh, Willow back and 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 just seeing that world and all the new characters that they've built and they're giving each character time to kind of introduce themselves to us and 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 build something and the interaction between it's just it's it's a wonderful show. I'm I'm it's nice. you know I know that they're doing a lot with nostalgia these days and they're kind of hitting us in the feels. Uh, this one. This one is there. This one is doing a really, really good job. Uh, the the villains in the very first episode, holy crap! Those that the the work they did on them, just the 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 visual effects and stuff. Wow, I was super impressed with them. My gosh! So uh, yeah, Willow. That's that's what I'm picking. Willow Disney Plus. Awesome. Awesome. Annalie, how about you? I'm going to recommend an app because we've been talking about tech a lot in this episode. And um, something that I use all the time when I go out on hikes, um, and even a hike in my city, San Francisco, is called PlantNet. And it's a really simple app. It lets you take a picture of a plant that you want to identify. Like, say you see a bush covered in cool flowers and you're like, what is that? I don't want to just call it a bush. <laughs> I mean, flowery bush, what is that? And so you take a picture and then it will offer you um, possible matches for that picture that have been uploaded mm -hmm. by other users of the app. So it's all crowdsourced. Um, mm -hmm. And if you see a picture where you're like, oh, that's definitely the plant I'm looking at. Um, and that's a picture that's already been identified. You can be like, aha, I figured it out. This plant is a, well, let's say it's the tree that I have in my backyard. It's a peppermint willow. Um, mm -hmm. Who knew it was a peppermint willow until I played around with PlantNet? I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, I didn't either. And it's named peppermint willow, apparently, because the leaves smell a little bit minty. It is not it does not actually grow anything minty um, that is that you could put into tea, sadly. Um, so, yeah. So PlantNet, really fun. Um, it's a delight if you are hiking somewhere where you have Internet access. But you could also just take the picture. And when you get back to a, a network, you can check those plants that you saw. That's super cool. So we were on the same wavelength as far as our picks go, because I, too, have chosen a technology thing, which is about the natures. Um, so a couple years ago, my husband kickstarted as a Christmas gift to me uh, a product that had not yet been completed or released called Bird Buddy. Uh, and Bird Buddy, at long last, has finally come out. So Bird Buddy is both an app. The app itself is free. Um, and it does for birds very much what you've just described uh, PlantNet doing. But the difference is Bird Buddy is a uh, bird feeder that you, you know, fill with seed as one does. But it has a wireless Bluetooth camera in it. And the camera, which has a battery, and if you want to, you can pay extra to get like a like a sort of um, solar panel sunroof installation going on so it will charge itself continuously. Um, it will 
it senses the movement of creatures as they come to the bird feeder and it snaps pics of them and it sends them to your phone. You can decide if you want notifications as they happen or if you just want to check as you go. And it's adorable because the camera is about three inches away from where the birds tend to land and the birds you know, depending on their temperament and how busy it is in the weather, sometimes they hang out for a while. And so you'll get like, they call them postcards. So you get like five images in a row of a bird having been there for a period of time. And it, obviously they don't know that they're being photographed, but you would swear to God from what they're doing that they did because they're like, (laughs) (laughs) and you get to decide which pictures you're going to keep and which ones you're going to delete. Um, and it's crowdsourced identification plus algorithm things going on, um, at, which, you know, as it trains up, is getting pretty good at these sorts of things. Um, it's also wonderful because I, of course, work largely outside of my home because I am teaching and they expect my butt to be in a classroom in front of human people. Um, and so given that, it's great that even when I'm not there to gaze out the window at my verbs, I get to see my verbs. So oh, I Bird that. Buddy is, is a lovely gift for the birder in your life or the wants to be a birder but doesn't know what that thing is except it has wings. I love seeing pictures of birds and hanging out with the birds that come to my backyard where I work. My writing desk is, which you're seeing me at right now. Um, Mm -hmm. So the part that you can't see is a window, which is right in front of me. And there's two bird baths um, outside. And birds come Mm -hmm. and visit the bird baths. Some prefer one bath and some prefer the other. Um, we did try to have a bird feeder for a while, but unfortunately that also fed rats. Um, oh, and that's so, not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's and the good. rats also eat tree bark, um, unfortunately. Like I normally I'm like, okay, rats are not that bad, but they do kill trees by eating tree bark. So we had to get rid of the the rat we've, feeder. We've had that problem before with mice. And so mm-hmm. uh, what helps is the um, cayenne coated bird seed. Uh, because fun fact, I guess birds do not have the capacity to detect spicy, like the, the capsaicin and all that. Do. But mammals do. And so the mouse or the rat or the squirrel or whatever will eat it and go like, oh, my God. It's like the, the TikTok trick where you're trying to figure out who's eating your lunch at, at work. And so you put the ghost pepper in. It's that. Uh-huh. Um, nice. And so obviously, like if it rains a lot and you don't have a feeder that shelters the seed that could, you know, get washed off. But it is taking care of like 80 percent of our invasive non-burb issues. Wow. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Also, some people who are bird people just suggest making your own sort of like jalapeno juice, basically, and just spritzing your stuff. So anywho. Annalie, it has been wonderful talking to you. We're really looking forward to the Terraformers coming out in January. We hope that our listeners um, give it some love with some pre-orders here, or at the very least, make sure that they uh, get it from their local library as soon as it's out. Where can people find you and your work and all the good stuff in this big etherverse? Yeah, so you can find me, of course, on my website at AnnaLeeNewitz.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at AnnaLeeN, and I'm on Mastodon at AnnaLeeN. And those are those two accounts are linked, so you're going to see basically the same thing um, mm-hmm. when you follow one. Um, and I have a bi-weekly podcast called Our Opinions Are Correct, co-hosted with Charlie Jane Andrews. And we talk about sci-fi, politics, science, um, all that good stuff. If you like this show, you will like Our Opinions Are Correct. So we're sister shows. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was really nice. It was wonderful. Thank you. Well, here it is. The Bumper. Wow.
It's so spacious here. <laughs> yep. You can fit 60 whole seconds of additional information, advertisement, and suggestions in this baby. Advertisement? Sure. Like our friends over at Beyond the Trope, which is perfect for people who like podcasts like ours with guests from the world of books, comics, gaming, and more. They have episodes every Tuesday, by the way. Huh. Patrick, are you just promoting Beyond the Trope out of fear and cowardice because of that time they attempted a coup of our podcast, powered by their insatiable lust for dominance? You mean our episode 538? No. Of course not. It's... Yeah, actually, it's definitely that. Oh, it's, it's... I feel you, brother. I live in fear as well. You know, if bumpers are good for additional information, this might be a good space for reminding our listeners that if they become supporting members of Worldcon, they can both nominate and vote for books, movies, television shows, and podcasts to win the Hugo Award in 2023. Yeah, it's a great way to contribute to the SF community and honor creators you like, maybe even the functional nerds, by nominating them for categories like Best Fancast. For example, in theory, you know, we could tell folks that interested listeners can go to the Chengdu Worldcon Facebook page for more information or, oh, um, straight to en.chengduworldcon.com to learn more. Do you think we could do that? I think we just did. Oh, yeah, you're right. Bumpers are really cool. I should stop by more often. Mr. Carpiers, you got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. If you've if you've never listened to the podcast, there there's there's two different styles here. There's there's Tracy who does prep work and comes up with some very thoughtful questions, and then oh squirrel. Oh, for God's sake, Patrick Louise. <laughs> Are you okay with me recording you today for the purposes of this podcast? Okay, that's probably a good enough signal. <laughs> when someone comes up to me and says, "Hey, I really love what you do," I'm like. I'm sorry, do you know who I, like, I think you have me confused with someone else. The whiz bang and the gosh wow and the sense of wonder stuff. My favorite thing about time travel is I actually had a time travel joke for you guys, but you didn't like it. I'm so excited.